remove distractions for a moment. Just think about the goodness of Jesus, how he loves us and he cares about us. His love on that cross to die for our sins, to remove shame from our life, to set us free, to put us in right standing with God that we can live with confidence and hope today. Jesus, we thank you for that. Jesus, we honor you for that. We thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. Lord, we thank you that you are good to us in every season. We thank you that your love never fails us, Lord God. That in every season you are with us. And we honor you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on, you tell him this morning, I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I honor you in this place. So good. we just thank you as we look at your word today Lord we thank you that you are speaking to us you're challenging us you're encouraging us Lord your word is building your church and I pray that today that your word would speak directly to our hearts and would uh, lift us Lord God into all that you want us to be and we ask that this morning in Jesus mighty name amen amen you can take a seat this morning it's good to be in His presence. How you all doing? Good. That's good to see. I love it. Well, we are going to beginning, be beginning our Ephesians series today, uh, which is exciting. And over the next seven weeks, we're going to be doing a journey through the book of Ephesians and speaking about the different chapters. And Ephesians is a beautiful book in the Bible. It really helps us to be understand so much about our faith and this new life in Christ. Uh, but before I, I dive into Ephesians this morning, I just wanted to uh, remind us again and recap our vision for the year, build your church. And we spoke about it last Sunday, we spoke about three things. We spoke about the fact that we are building on the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. We spoke about the fact that we are all living stones that God is working in and God's working through. We talked about how we are a work in progress and everybody's got their little bricks on their key rings to remind them that every day I'm a work in progress. God's working in me and God's working through me. And we talked about the fact that we are construction stones, that God takes our lives and builds us together and builds the future of the church and together we are growing in Christ. And so God is growing us and He's building His church. And I want to encourage you, let's take this to heart this year and really believe that in every area of our life, God is going to build it this year. Let's believe for our marriages to be built. Let's believe for our, our financial position to be built. Let's believe for businesses to be built. Let's believe for our faith to grow and to be built and that we would move forward in Christ and become all that He's called us to be. 
it's a building year. And we really believe that God wants to build rhythms of faith in your life this year and help you become the person God has called you to be and purposed you to be as well. And so the, the, the uh, flyers are on the backs of your seats or you can grab one of these bricks at the end of the service as a reminder. But we really want you to get this into your spirit and some of these key scriptures that are in this booklet uh, to remind you this year, in every season, God is building you and moving forward in Jesus' name. Are you with me on that? Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, also, one of those things that we are adding this year is a, um, a pathway called Foundation Builders. And uh, I just wanted to, 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 to say about that this morning. That'll be kicking off in March. And uh, we've called it Foundation Builders because we want it to be people that want to come out and grow as disciples, but also grow as leaders and help us building upon the foundation of Jesus. And so it's going to be a great time on Sunday afternoons. We're going to do... Uh, we've, we've penciled in the dates for the first three of those as well, which I'm, I'm sure you already got on an email this week and you can see online, you can register for it. But the idea behind Foundation Builders is the fact that we would get people together and it would be an interactive opportunity together to help you grow, help you really grow. We're calling it almost like the SAS of Christianity, where you can get together and uh, we're not going to be yelling at you and screaming at you and calling you a cockroach and all these kind of things, but we are going to try and train you as much as possible uh, to be able to move in the Spirit, train you to be able to grow in Christ as much as possible. We're going to pray together, we're going to read the Bible together, we're going to have an interactive time. It's not going to be sitting there and um, like a Bible college lecture that you sit for for an hour. It's us getting together and really being able to experience together and grow together in Christ. And so I'm really excited about this time together on Sunday afternoons and it's going to be happening monthly. And so, yeah, make sure you register for that one so we know who's coming and we can prepare for you. But uh, it's going to be a great time together. Awesome. Well, I want to kick off today... Ephesians chapter 1. Who read Ephesians chapter 1 this week? Look at you. You're amazing. Hey, it's okay if you didn't read Ephesians chapter 1 because guess what? We're going to read it together today as well during the message. So we're going to break it up and look at different parts of it together this morning. But who's got an old school Bible here that's got paper and ink on? Come on, wave it around. Wave it around if you've got one of those. Oh, fantastic. Who's got a digital Bible this morning? You've got your phone. Oh, by far the majority. Look at you guys. 90% of you have gone digital. That's all. I mean, I don't know about you, but I love new things. I love to get a new shirt. I love to get a new, new shoes or something like that. But one of the things that really bothers me about getting new things is they don't stay new. It's frustrating, isn't it? I wish they stayed new. I wish that they didn't wear out. I wish that when you buy a shirt, it didn't change shape in the wash. I wish that it didn't wear out over time. I wish that our shoes didn't get scuffed and then they get dirty and then you can't uh, keep those shoes forever. They get holes in them or something happens to them. I wish that didn't happen. I just wish they were brand new all the time. And I think for us, when it comes to our faith in Christ... We are brand new in Christ. In fact, Scripture says to us in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, sometimes what I've observed is that sometimes what we do as believers is we stop treating our faith as new. 
we stop treating our spirit as new. And we start to live as if our shirt's faded or our shoes have started to got holes in them. And we think, well, I'm not a new believer anymore. And so I'm not new. And some of the weights of this world can come down upon us. And some of the frustrations and the burdens and the things can take away that sense of newness that we have in Christ. And I guess what I wanted to encourage us this morning is that you're still brand new. You are new in Christ. You are a new creation. And the book of Ephesians is all about reminding us about this new humanity we have in Christ. It teaches us about the fact that that in Christ, we are different. It gives us really a bit of a theology about who we are in Christ because of what Jesus has done for us. But then it also teaches us how to live out that faith how to actually live brand new in our relationships, how to live brand new when it comes to in, in the, living in the spirit and spiritual warfare, how to live brand new when it comes to the grace of Jesus Christ that we are to walk in, how to live brand new when it comes to being in community as the body of Christ and how to, to work with one another to become the people of God. And it teaches us all of these beautiful things in Ephesians. And so Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he shows how Jesus' work on the cross should permeate every single aspect of our lives. And so I've got a quick video this morning that's just literally two minutes and it's from the, the, the Bible Project, which actually is a great resource. And you can have a look at a little bit about the overview of Ephesians. It just goes for two minutes. So why don't you have a look to the screen and I'll be back. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The story of how Paul came to the city of Ephesus is really interesting. You can go read about it in Acts chapter 19. Ephesus was a huge city. It was the epicenter of worship for most of the Greek and Roman gods. And for over two years, Paul had a really effective missionary presence there, and lots of people became followers of Jesus. Years later, after being imprisoned by the Romans, Paul wrote this letter. The movement of thought in the letter divides into two really clear halves. In the first half, Paul is exploring the story of the gospel, how all history came to its climax in Jesus and in his creation of this multi-ethnic community of his followers. The second half of the letter is linked to the first by the word, therefore. And here Paul explores how the gospel story should affect how we live every part of our life story, personally, in our neighborhoods and communities and in our families. So let's dive in and we can see how Paul develops all of this. Chapter 1 opens with a beautiful Jewish-style poem where Paul praises God the Father for the amazing things that he has done in Christ Jesus. From eternity past, the Father has purpose to choose and bless a covenant people. And think here, the family of Abraham and Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And through Jesus now, anyone can be adopted into that family. Jesus' death covers our worst sins, our worst failures, and in Jesus we find God's grace. In fact, Paul says, that grace has opened up a whole new way for us to understand every part of our lives. He says in chapter 1, verse 10, that God's purpose was to unify all things in heaven and on earth under Christ, which is a title that means Messiah. God's plan was always to have a huge family of restored human beings who are unified in Jesus the Messiah. This divine purpose 
became clear, Paul says, when we were first made into that family. And here he's referring to ethnic Jews in the family of Abraham. But then Paul talks about how you, and here he means non-Jews, you all heard about Jesus and the salvation through him. And you were also brought into this family by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so here he's referring to the events told in the stories of Acts about how God's spirit brought together Jew and non-Jew into one family in Jesus. It's just like God promised to Abraham long ago. Notice also how in this poem, Paul begins by talking about God the Father, but then about Jesus the Son, and then here at the end about the Spirit. All three work together as Paul tells the story of the gospel. It's really cool. After the poem, Paul responds with a prayer. He prays that these followers of Jesus would not just know about, but personally experience the power of the gospel, that they would be energized by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and placed him as the exalted head of the whole world. There we go. So chapter one, we're, we're talking about today. And in chapter one, you can see that, uh, as it's been articulated there, a, a prayer is prayed by Paul. And he's, he's praying for the church at Ephesus. And really, we can take that on today when we think about our lives and, and think about what is being prayed over us into the future as well, believing that God would help us to be able to understand who Christ is, and be able to let that permeate every part of our life so that we would live with the reality of Christ and this new humanity in Christ. When we look at Ephesians, it's really broken up into two parts, as has been said in that video. The first part is about really what God has built in our lives. It talks about the grace of Jesus Christ and how He's transformed our lives. And the second three chapters, they talk about how we start to live out this new life in Christ and how we start to let that be practical in our lives so that we can see that outworking in our relationships, in, in our church life, and all the practicalities of our lives. And so I love this book because it's really a building book. It's all about what we've spoke about on Vision Sunday. It's all about what God's built in us and what God's building through us. And this, this book of Ephesians really encourages us to, to build, to grow, to become who God has called us to be. And in fact, I feel like this book is like, it's like the coronation of a Christian. It's like when King Charles is going to have his coronation one day, it's confirming the position that he has. And it's really, that's what it's like in Ephesians. It's confirming your position in Christ. It's saying, this is who you are. This is the new life that you have stepped into in Christ. It wasn't just a decision that you made one day, but it's a whole new humanity. It's a whole new experience that you live out practically as you walk with Jesus. And so it encourages and it builds our life. And so this morning, let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1. And this is how it opens up. It says this, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So here, it's a small introduction from Paul. And he says, this is my name. I'm Paul. This is my gifting. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. This is the authority to which I speak to you in Christ Jesus. And he writes, and this is a really common thing for Paul, to write for grace and peace for the followers. 
And I think about those two words, grace and peace. It's almost like Paul is reminding himself that he needs God's grace and that he needs to understand God's peace in the midst of the turmoil of his own life. Paul is writing this letter from prison. So he's writing to these people and he's reminding them, hey, you need God's grace in your life. And you need the peace of God that, uh, that transcends all circumstances and gives you strength in every single season. In this new humanity that we are meant to live out, we need God's grace. There are no perfect people. We are all a work in progress, and so we need, God, need God's grace. But there's also going to be times where there's turbulence and times where there is difficulty in our life, and we don't just need God's grace. We need God's peace. And so as we look in this chapter today, I just want to talk about three encouragements that come out of Ephesians chapter 1. So let's have a look together at verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ Jesus. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. How incredible is that? God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ. When we look at this word adoption, we see that in, in, in the Roman meaning and understanding of that, it meant that you were completely absorbed into somebody else's family. Your debts, your past history was completely eliminated when you were adopted into somebody else's family. And that's the same word that's used here. So our past, our sin, our shame, all of those things as we're adopted in Christ is removed. We receive His grace. We receive, as it says says here, every spiritual blessing, which is incredible. So verse 6 says, So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered uh, his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now the Gentiles have also heard the truth. The good news that God saves you and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. And verse 14 says, the spirit is God's guarantee and he will give us that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. What an incredible passage. It really soaks us in the grace of God. It reminds us, and this is our first point this morning, it reminds us of your position in Christ. He says, you have received every spiritual blessing because of your position in 
Christ. Not because of your good behaviour, not because of what you've earned, but because of what Jesus has done for you. So accepting Jesus and accepting His love has put you in a position of blessing, has put you in a position of favour, has put you in a position as a son or a daughter of the King. It's put you into that position. That's the position that you live your life from. Now, my life is a little bit different to Prince William and Prince Harry. I don't have the money that they have. I don't have the fame that they have or the influence that they have. I haven't frustrated a whole bunch of people like Harry has to that degree. But I'm not Prince William or I'm not Prince Harry because I have a different dad. And so I don't have the benefits that they have because of the fact that they are princes that are related to a king. But one thing that I do have is that my heavenly father is the king of kings. And so the inheritance that I have received from him has placed me in a position of blessing and favor. I've been adopted in. I have an inheritance that that is beyond anything this world could give. And so do you. When we are in Christ, in fact, it talks about in Ephesians about 15 times being in Christ. It talks about it as if it's something that we need to be reminded of. When you're in Christ, life looks different. When you're in Christ, your positioning is different. When you're in Christ, you see things differently. When you're in Christ, you are transformed because of what Jesus has done in Christ. So this year, when we're talking about being a building year, we're saying, hey, I'm going to be built on the cornerstone. I'm going to be built in Christ. That's how I grow. That's how a disciple of Jesus is developed when they remain in Christ. When his word permeates every part of our life and starts to change our behavior, our thinking, and the way that we live our life. That's how we are transformed. That's how the church is built. The church is built by Jesus. As we, the church, remain in Christ. Just like a building is constructed from a foundation, so is our life constructed because we are in Christ. So Ephesians remind us of our position that we have in Christ. We have been given that position. You know, when you go to a financial planner or you go to a mortgage broker and you have to give them all the information about your current position your current financial position. You get all the documents out, you print your pay slips, you give them all your debts, you give them all those things. They can't plan for the future for you if they don't know exactly the position that you're in right now. It's like what happens in Ephesians chapter one is Paul takes this passage and he says, hey, listen, let me just tell you guys to the people at Ephesus, let me just tell you to people living in 21st century Australia today, let me just explain to you the position that you are in right now because of Christ. It's a position of blessing. It's a position where you understand you've been given an inheritance and you've been adopted in. He explains this incredible position that we've been placed in. Spurgeon says it this way. He says, our thanks are due to God for all temporal blessings. They are more than we deserve. But our thanks ought to go to God in thunders of hallelujahs for spiritual blessings. A new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Christ is better than to have the best earthly food. To be an heir of God is better than being the heir of the greatest nobleman. 
to have God for our portion is blessed, infinitely more blessed than to own broad acres of land. God hath blessed us with spiritual blessings. These are the rarest, the richest, the most enduring of all blessings. They are priceless in value. And so it's not just talking about earthly blessing. It's talking about a blessing that cannot be taken away. That God has marked you. God has, has, uh, has, has given you a stamp on your life as this is my child. And it's a spiritual blessing that cannot be tarnished by this world. You can have the highs and lows of life, but Ephesians reminds us that our life is secure in Christ. And this church at Ephesus, they, they faced persecution. They faced difficulties and challenges in the world that they live today. Just like in 21st century Australia, we can encounter some of those obstacles. But we should be reminded today that our position in Christ is not moved by the circumstances that we faced or by the world that's happening around and about us. Your position in Christ. See, this world is all about position. It's all about positioning yourself with wealth. It's all about positioning yourself with status or fame or influence or authority or title or achievement or value in other people's eyes. But what Ephesians does is it flips the script immediately and says, hey, listen, let me just tell you about your newfound position in Christ. You don't have to try and strive for any of these things anymore. You're going to live from a place of authority because of what Jesus has already done. He's put you in this incredible position of amazing blessing, and we should live from that place of confidence. I love what it says in in, in verse 5 and 6. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. And so it changes the way that we live our life. We start to live from this place and this position of confidence. You don't have to walk around trying to achieve uh, all of these things. You don't have to try and earn other people's approval. You can live from a place and a position of God's incredible value and authority because he's placed the highest value upon you. And that changes everything. So it changes the way that we live. And he wanted these, these, this church at Ephesus to feel like, hey, you're not just the minority. You're actually God's appointed, God's chosen, God's adopted sons and daughters. And it changes the way that we see things. The second thing this morning is your perspective in Christ. It says here in Ephesians 1 verse 15, it says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. See, in many of Paul's letters, he prays specifically for the needs of the church or the people that he's writing to. But what's interesting about this letter in Ephesians is he actually, instead of praying for a specific obstacle or a challenge that he's believing to be addressed, he actually prays that the people would have a different perspective. 
And I think that's a powerful thought because sometimes the miracle is us getting a different perspective. I believe in an instant miracle. I believe God can do things in a moment. Absolutely. But Paul is somebody that has been experienced in perspective shifts. Here is a man that used to persecute the church and all of a sudden he's the guy now preaching about Jesus and the church. And so he'd had a perspective shift. Here is a man that knew that the gospel was only just to the Jews, but here he was, God tasked him with this task to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. It was a perspective shift. This was a man that understood perspective shifts. What about the great passage that we read in 2 Corinthians where it says, Paul's writing, he says, So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. And then he says this, three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. So he was a man that understood sometimes the miracle is in me seeing things differently. And I think what he's trying to say in this passage is, as Christians, we need to have a different perspective. We need to see things differently. We need to be able to look beyond the problem. We need to be able to believe again for God to be able to help us have a higher perspective. You know, sometimes I think about it when it comes to our, just our individual lives. We need to be able to put our faith glasses on. Many of you don't know, I have glasses. Oh, do I look more sophisticated now? <laughs> I don't think it really helps. It's still me. But um, I, I, look at these, I look at these glasses, look through these glasses, and sometimes when I'm trying to look at things and I can't see it as clearly, I put my glasses on and I can see things a lot more clearly. And I think about that when it comes to our faith. We can often look at the problems that are in front of us. We can study them. We can complain about them. We can talk to our friends and family about them. We can go over our problems time and time again. And we can see our problems in different light, in different perspectives, and different angles. But there is nothing like actually putting on our faith glasses and seeing things from a different perspective and saying, I actually can see more clearly now. I actually can see a way through now. I actually can see from God's perspective now. And I think in this passage, it's really reminding us to say, hey, listen, this new life, this new humanity helps us to be able to see through the glasses of faith. We don't see things the same way the world sees them. We see them differently. And so because of that, I'm going to have a different vision. I'm going to speak differently. I'm going to behave differently. I'm going to act out of this place of faith rather than fear. I'm going to act out of this place of belief in God and the perspective that he gives rather than just what this world can offer. I love that Paul in this passage is thanking God for these people's love of God and love for one another. And I think about us as a church. If somebody was thanking God for us, what would they say about City Church? And I pray they'd say about us, I thank God that they love Jesus passionately. And I thank God that they love people genuinely. I'd love that to be said about us as a church. And that's what Paul is encouraging about the church at Ephesus here, that no matter what they faced, they had this perspective shift, that they lived from this place of love, loving God and loving people. And it just flowed out of everything that they did. Third and finally this morning, 
I think we're encouraged about your access to God's power in Christ. As believers in Jesus, it says here in Ephesians 1 verse 19, it says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. I heard it said this week that there are so many Christians focused on the Antichrist instead of the body of Christ. And I thought about that thinking, you know what? We've got a church to build. We've got lives to be able to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got a time frame before the time is up to reach as many people as possible. Let's trust God to reveal the Antichrist when that time comes. But at the moment, let's remember we are the body of Christ. God is working in and God is working through our lives. And it says here and reminds us of the power of God. We look at this word power. We see there's three different words that are used here. One of them is called energin, which means energy. It's talking about supernatural energy. Another word that's used here means power that belongs only to God. And the next word means might or strength. So we're talking about the energy of God, God's supernatural energy and work moving in our lives. We're talking about power that this world can't offer, supernatural power, the power of God. We're talking about God's mighty strength working in our lives. That's the kind of power that we all have access to. Sometimes we have an Xbox at home and sometimes when Cooper and I are playing the Xbox together, we got the controllers out. Our youngest son, Hudson, who's 13 months, comes up and he's trying to grab a controller. And so what we do is we give him another controller, but we take the batteries out. <laughs> Poor kid. So he thinks he's playing with us and he's touching the buttons and he's, he's playing with it and he's thinking, oh, I'm part of this game. But what he doesn't realize is he has no batteries. He has no power. And I think for many Christians, we live like that. We have the controller in our hand, but we never activate the power. We never plug the batteries in. We never believe in faith. We never trust God to do what He says. You know, the Word of God is spoken, but it also should be followed with signs and wonders. It should be focused with miracles working through our lives. And somewhere along the way, I think sometimes our faith can get so sanitized that we stop believing for miracles. We stop believing for the supernatural energy, workings of God, the power of God that can only be above this world, the strength and might of God as is spoken out in this passage. We stop believing that it will touch our lives and work through our lives. And that power changes everything. So it says here in Mark 16 verse 20, and the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord works through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. And I wonder whether today we could put the batteries back in 
our faith back in to believe again for miracles, to believe again for God to do something significant and powerful. God encourages us in Ephesians chapter 1 to have a new understanding of our position in Christ, to have an understanding of the perspective that He wants us to have in Christ, that there will be problems and challenges, but let God fill and mature us and change the way that we see things. And then it reminds us of God's power, that we are not limited to earthly power. We have the power of God that's working in us and through us. And it talks about that it's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is in us and working through us. So as the team come this morning, I wonder whether you could stand with me today. You have a new life in Christ. You're brand new. That power that God has, it's not like the batteries we have on earth where it starts to fade out after a period of time. These batteries, this power of God that we have on the inside of us through the Holy Spirit is never limited. It is never running flat. It's never low on battery life. His strength and His power is always ready to move. But are we ready in faith to believe for it? This new life in Christ that we have, Ephesians reminds us of this position that we have as sons and daughters. And yet sometimes we walk around on this earth as if we're strangers, as if we're on the edge. God's saying, no, no, I brought you in close. You're family. You're loved. You're part of the family of God. You're adopted in as sons and daughters. And I wanted to encourage us this morning. Let's not step back. Let's step into all that God has for our life. Allow Him to build us and to challenge us and to strengthen us and to stretch us. Let Him change your understanding of the position you have. Let Him change your perspective. And let Him let yourself understand the power that you have in Christ. So why don't you lift your hands this morning? Lord, I pray, as we looked at this first chapter of Ephesians this morning, we've been reminded of this new life in Christ. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd help us to understand this position that you put us in. Let us walk with confidence and boldness, Lord God. Let us be the new people of God that you've called us to be, that we're brand new in Christ. It's not fading or wearing off, but God, it's brand new. Lord, you've changed and transformed us. Lord, help us to be able to see differently. See your perspectives, Lord God. Transform us, Lord God, so we see things differently. Lord, I pray for your power, Lord God, that is incomparable on the earth. Lord, let us understand your incredible power that's working in us and through us. Lord, you're building your church by your power. And Lord, this morning, we ask, Lord, for more of it, Lord God. We ask for it to flow through our lives. Lord, where we have doubted, Lord, where we have, we have contained your power, God, we repent and we apologize. And this morning, Lord, we ask again for that new flow of your power through our lives. Lord, help us to believe again, to have faith again, to put those batteries of faith back into the controller again and to believe for your power to work in our lives, I pray. Lord, transform us into the new people that you've called us in Ephesians chapter 1 and help us to live from that new place 
of strength and hope that you've given, that you've given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. We thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship Jesus.